Man United were playing uh, you'd be like sitting here in your Man United jocks all week right Not the quite. fact that it's Man City about to do a treble you are studiously ignoring it let's, let's just call it it's true OTB AM live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app Off the Ball Daily Hello there, you're welcome along. Sunday's off the ball. Joe Malloy with you this afternoon with both provincial hurling finals down for decision. Munster at the Gaelic Grounds, 145 throw in between Limerick and Clare, followed at Crow Park by Kilkenny Galway at four o'clock. James O'Connor in Limerick. Tommy Welch will be in Dublin for us. We'll review the Sunday papers with Clina O'Connor, GA coach, and also former Irish international basketball captain and coach Timmy McCarthy with us from two. The Golf Weekly podcast will dissect the PIF PGA Tour merger after six o'clock. We will talk to Keith Tracy about the Champions League uh, final as well after four. So we are busy right through the day. 53106, the text number. We're at Off The Ball on Twitter. We'll keep you up to date on all the sport. Uh, more besides, including Novak Djokovic at the French Open final. He is looking for Grand Slam title number 23 which would move him one ahead of Rafa Nadal. They are currently locked on 22 apiece. Federer back on 20. And so history beckons once again for uh, Djokovic to make it 23. And he'll be big favourite at Wimbledon as well. So on the cusp, you would think of putting a bit of water between himself and Nadal. Very happy to say, here in studio for the news round, we have Aidan Delaney. Aidan, how's it going? Good mo- good afternoon. Rather. Good morning, you Jeez. wish. I don't know what time it is. Anne-Marie Donnan, hello. Hi, Joe. So your first story, I suspect people were watching last night. We have a uh, very happy and tired, actually, Pep Guardiola. Every interview I, did, I saw him do, he was talking about how tired uh, he is. He's a man who suffers for his art. So uh, Manchester City, travel winners. Yes, and Pep Guardiola says it'll take time to appreciate the gravity of their achievements. They secured the treble last night, winning the Champions League final in Istanbul. Rodri scored the only goal of the game as they beat Inter Milan 1-0. It's their first ever European title and they're only the second ever English club to do the treble after Manchester United did it in 1999. Speaking in his press conference after the game, Guardiola was asked about the emotions of the occasion. I'm, 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 I'm fine. I'm not over happy. You know, tomorrow after tomorrow, we will ever remember when the football player won the Champions League with Barcelona in 92. And after with the manager, I celebrated the day after. The day after, the two days after, we realized, oh, what would they have done? I've been really, really great. Uh, we we struggled in the first half to find our men free because we didn't expect a movement that they did it. We didn't expect Chanaloglu jam to Rodri. So the, the space was with John Stones and Rodri and especially Ruben and Akanji. We didn't find it. And after the second half, we just a little bit. We scored a goal, a, a brilliant one for the movement from Manu Bernardo and Rodri and after you had the second one uh, from Phil Foden and the last minutes they were better they put incredible Onana like a holding midfielder playing positions holding midfielder put balls to Lukaku's and set the ball run there and we struggle and yeah we have an incredible keeper with Eddie and save us the balls he should save so asked about the possibility of going again and attempting to win back-to-back titles. My chairman said, oh, London is next season, the final Champions League. And I, I don't tell you my answer to him because we'll not be proper. So we have time, we have to think about it with next season, but next season will be next season. So now it's, it's time to celebrate it. I'm looking forward to Manchester on Monday afternoon to put in our coach and bus the three trophies 
high nice will be. And it's an honor for me, an honor for me to be alongside Sir Alex Ferguson in that in that situation. I have to say I got a, a message from him this morning in my phone that touched me a lot. So and it's an honor for me to be with him in this in this place. It's so nice. So there we go. First Champions League for Manchester City, a third for Pep Guardiola. He moves alongside uh, Zidane. He is behind Carlo Ancelotti's on uh, four. Also, though, his second treble did it at Barcelona as well. So pretty much greatest manager of his generation and quite probably any generation. As for the spectacle, in keeping with the season, this was less about the drama and the last-ditch uh, heroics of Manchester United. Probably their worst performance in Europe of the year. Inter Milan, as he said, were very good in many ways, especially without the ball. And they pressed City high from the first few uh, moments and throughout much of the first half. Probably struggled to sustain it, but they did make it difficult for City. And then there was like a nervousness about City. I think when it cuts to Guardiola, 20 minutes in, screaming, relax, relax. Yeah, yeah, I noticed Nothing that. Nothing more relax. relaxing than somebody <laughs> screaming, relax at you. Everybody keep calm. <laughs> yeah. But I had the nagging sense throughout that Inter Milan were doing about as well as they were going to do. Maybe they were going to nick one. Inter never looked like on the, scoring. On the break. Yeah, on the break they had a few sniffs but not much more than that. And you sort of felt that City would have a period where they were going to get on top. And I guess at the end actually was when Inter had their moments. There was the DeMarco header off the bar and then Lukaku who's having a bad run of it really in these uh, crunch moments. Yeah. He blocked the follow-up header and then he missed a great chance himself. So that was interthrowing the kitchen sink at it but really whenever they had sustained possession they never looked likely to break City down It was a more uh, interesting final than we had anticipated because we thought it was going to be this coronation and if City had scored twice in the first 20 minutes or so it would have been as a spectacle even less so it was interesting obviously the football wasn't breathtaking Yeah, no one will be rushing back to watch it ever again but it wasn't the cakewalk I suppose that people feared it wasn't 3-4-0 no, I think, and we were chatting about it on the news round yesterday, that Inter's best chance was to make it, you know, the less like a football game that it was going to be, the more chance that Inter had to win it. So yeah. that's what they tried to do. Um, they had, like you say, a couple of chances on the break. I mean, the enduring image for me of the final is Pep Guardiola on his knees as soon as that ball comes to Martinez and then kind of just looking at it as Martinez takes possibly the worst decision of the night, yeah. even worse than... Lukaku's efforts later on in the game but just to take that shot on when there was two, three options in the box and even Guardiola was just thinking maybe we're living on borrowed time here maybe this is actually going to be our chance tonight but as soon as that City goal came it was always going to be up against it for Inter and I mean the best team won but it just feels a bit like a wealthy man has won the lottery I mean good for him but what about the rest of us? There is a flatness to it as treble wins go I even thought Guardiola at full time would be more emotional because he is a man that wears his emotions like he visibly throughout the game was on his knees Mm. and it was getting to him but even he seemed a little bit flat at full time now he was probably tired someone said as well yesterday he doesn't eat Mm. before a game so it's around midnight there as well so he was probably exhausted by the end of it but I thought he'd even be a bit more emotional why doesn't he eat before a game I suppose nervousness. I don't know. John said that yesterday. Before every Premier League game as well. I don't know. Maybe it's just massive games. I think it might be a final. I think he doesn't need before a final. I think <coughs> it might have been the, it's, it's probably a case of nerves and probably a case of just tradition as well. You know what footballers are like. They're very much into their superstitions and, you know, maybe it worked for him back when 
Barcelona won the treble and he decided to do it again and it's it's worked now so, so did, did he eat before the Chelsea final we don't know we can have to wait and see now maybe he had maybe a bit of a croissant or something and that's what he's putting it down to he did look like a hungry man as he screamed relaxed everybody so maybe he had a protein bar at half time City's menu was released yesterday their menu of the day um, just constant snacking I found that interesting a lot of banana bread obviously right? high sugar yeah just constant snacking they say not to be grazing across the day but there you go it's working for these guys yeah, so um, look, they've been pretty awesome. This is not the dramatics and the last ditch heroics of Manchester United 99. This has been a procession on all fronts, really, and like a demonstration of sophistication throughout. Bar last night, in some ways, that was their worst performance of the European season. So Keith Tracy will join us after uh, four o'clock to give his thoughts. The paper coverage in the main is very favourable towards Manchester City and their brilliant season with a couple of pieces highlighting the fact that they have spent a lot of the last decade fending off accusations of uh, financial irregularities and there is a massive asterisk still uh, besides uh, this uh, winning season. So that's the general vibe in the papers. We'll talk to Crina O'Connor and Timmy McCarthy after two. So that's Man City. Uh, there was GA yesterday. We'll get to the hurling with James O'Connor very shortly in Limerick. Talchin Cup was order of the day yesterday. Yeah, and Down produced a strong finish to qualify for the quarterfinals of the Talchin Cup last evening. Connor Laverty's side came from behind to beat Longford 120 to 112 in Newry. Leisher also threw to the next round. They beat Fermanagh 111 to 19. Wexford advanced, beating Offaly 122 to 214, and Carlo beat New York by 15 points to 10 in Carlo. Meanwhile, Rashid Adelecki won gold at the NCAA Championships in Texas overnight and broke her own Irish 400 metre record in the process. The 20-year-old Tala native became the first Irish sprinter to win a NCAA title after she registered a meet record time of 49.20 seconds. The performance also moves Adelecki into the top 20 on the world 400 metre all-time list. Ina Ridden writing in the Irish Times yesterday that this could be her last college race because the lure to go pro is going to be absolutely massive now. The figures of the deal that's going to be offered to her is huge. Sinead Kassan did a really good um, podcast earlier in the year. She went over to Texas to meet her and her coach and her coach was pretty resigned to the fact that she's going to be pro within the year. He's not going to get another year out of her. He says he won't stand in her way. He'd obviously love her to run for the college next year, but she's just... The talent she has is amazing. The offers that are going to come in are going to be huge. She is a superstar, 20 years of age uh, from Tala and now uh, belonging to the world, I think. Her seventh national record of 2023 last night. So like in April, she demolished the Irish 200 metre record in a time of 22.34. Since she's turned her hand to 400 metres, the potential has been obvious to everyone. Michael Johnson was retweeting her runs uh, a couple of months ago. And what's more everyone I would think if you're on Twitter you'll have seen this everybody's retweeting it and it's, it's popping up and it's only 50 seconds of your time so I think most people are seeing it it was also an amazing race mm-hmm. like there's the record breaking aspect but I think it's worth noting in April she finished second to Britton Wilson and this time around they had a brilliant race when they got to the last hundred they were neck and neck and Adelecki with that long stride just yeah. powered home and 
it's very exciting. Um, her coach is really interesting as well when he speaks about her. He's very honest. She seems to hate the gym. She just wants to be on track and he's just trying to get her into the gym to work more and more on that. And her arms have obviously been a bit of an issue that's been highlighted. If she uses her arms properly, she could be unstoppable. So it feels like she's this raw talent. And if that's looked after properly, we could be talking, we could be talking about an Olympic champion here in a year's time or two years time. We really could. It really feels like she has that raw talent that is unstoppable. Hopefully. First Irish NCAA champion since Mary Cullen won 5,000 metre gold for Providence in 06. But first Irish sprint champion at NCAA level. So uh, amazing. And it's all over social media if you want to have a look at the run. It's waiting for you. What else going on today? Yeah, there is tennis, as you mentioned, at the top of the show. Novak Djokovic looking to secure a record-breaking 23rd Grand Slam title this afternoon. The serve goes up against Norway's Kasper Ruud in the French Open final at Roland Garros. Ruud lost last year's decider to Rafa Nadal. 36 years old now, Djokovic. So Federer is very much on 20 Grand Slams and won't be budging. Nadal with his injury problems is on 22, Djokovic on 22. So you would think this could be very likely 23. For instance, he has played Rude four times and Rude's never even won a set against Djokovic. That's a tough mental load to be carrying in to uh, the French Open final today for him. So that would be Djokovic to 23. He'll be firmer favourite for... Wimbledon. And he already won the Australian Open, so... That would be 24. Career Grand Slam. Yeah. Or the calendar Grand Slam. Yeah, that would be on the line. And if he does that, he's the first man to do the calendar Grand Slam three times. So this is just record after record for Djokovic at 36. I think he's going to win the war on numbers. Whatever about our hearts and minds as to who was the greatest, I think the numbers will say it's Djokovic very clearly and probably by three, four, five territory. It is one of those weekends where we're watching these sports stars do incredible things and yet you're just felt you're just feeling a little bit cold um, given Djokovic's recent past and all that kind of stuff. But um, he is an absolutely incredible machine and I suppose a lot of people were thinking that the, the Alcaraz semi-final would be the passing of the torch. But Djokovic just does what Djokovic does and there was no kind of you know, City, you mentioned the City kind of nervousness last night. There was none of that in that semi-final. He was yeah. coming up against, you know, the top seed, one of the world's best players, and he just did what he does best. And Alcaraz seemed to say the occasion got to him. Yeah, it seemed to be. And even Especially when he had that in that first set, he mm. seemed very nervous and Djokovic took advantage of that. Well, we'll keep you updated. It does feel like a um, touch of a procession today. So Djokovic um, looking for Grand Slam number 23 to go one ahead of Nadal and three ahead of Federer. Uh, Roy McIlroy, once again, very much in contention on the PGA Tour as he was last week. He's in a tie for second ahead of the final round of the Canadian Open, where he's looking to win a third consecutive title. He shot an impressive six under par round of 66 overnight in Toronto. That leaves him 12 under all round, just two shots off the lead that's held by C.T. Pan. He spoke to the press last night. You know, I got off to a great start today, three under through that first nine holes, I thought was, was a really good effort and kept it going through the the, the first part of the back nine. Um, then the putter went a little cold on me over those last five holes. But yeah, overall, you know, it's great to put myself in um, in with a shot tomorrow. And, you know, there's a lot of people up there around the lead. So it's it's going to be a it's going to be a fun day. I thought you were way better today with the wedges. Uh, yeah. Last couple of days, yeah. you got some shots hole high. Unlucky on seven. 
But I thought when you hit those short irons, so many of them hole high like that, that's a great sign, no? Yeah, much better. Uh, really struggled with that part of the game on Thursday. Uh, went and did some practice uh, Thursday afternoon and and got a good feel. And yeah, as you said, definitely uh, the approach play over the last couple of days has, has been a lot better. So, you know, looking for, for more of that tomorrow. Oh, well, that's encouraging because his wedge play last Sunday killed him. Again, he was right in contention and he was airmailing greens or coming up short with wedges in his hand. And you can't do that. And that's been an Achilles heel going back a couple of years, something he had rectified to a large extent last year and then bubbled up again in recent weeks. And I think a lot of Rory observers were worried, here we go again. But if he sorted out his wedge play with the US Open next week, then that would be cause for optimism. So we'll see. Interesting to hear him just say that he practiced. You don't <laughs> think of, you just think he goes out and does that. I don't know, he's a ferocious practicer. Um, but it's it's interesting that why did it, you sort it out and practice that day and not the yeah, day before? Yeah, not the day before. The vagaries of golf. This was the tournament last year, which coincided with the first live event in Centurion in, in uh, London. And McElroy won the Canadian Open. And you might remember there was a real sense that night of McElroy and Jay Monaghan together. Sticking it to the man. Yeah, like almost arms around each other and turned to cameras and saying, this this is the PGA Tour. Liv can't compete with this because it had been a brilliant final round where Tony Finau and Justin Thomas were pushing McElroy and he'd won and it was very much we're together, we're united. Me and Jay, PGA Tour will will remain undefeated. I'm not sure Jay will be hanging around the 18th green. Mm. To I don't think Rory would be, be happy to see him either. I know. Like, through gritted teeth, I thought he said he still has faith in Monaghan in his press conference. So be curious to see if Monaghan is uh, brave enough to risk a... Uh, a lukewarm Mick McCarthy, Roy Keane S. Canshake from uh, Rory, or will he just stay inside? I'd advise him to stay inside. So he looked we'll happier, see. obviously, than Thursday last night. You know, just yeah. talking about the golf. So it's good to see his body language more positive and yeah. happier because Thursday or Wednesday was just so sad. I would think he's sick of the sight of them. I would say he's resolved privately to just play golf, win what he can, and not do too much beyond for these guys, which is totally fair enough. Yeah, absolutely. Can't blame him. Um, we are here right across the day Anne-Marie thank you thank you Aidan with us across the afternoon as well we're going to take a very short break and then the Gaelic rounds beckons James O'Connor in situ we have what should be not least based on last year an epic monster final between Clare and Limerick